Welcome to Ashwood. Dark Stories for Bright Minds. Virtuosity. Trisha groaned as the alarm screamed at her to get up. She had stayed up late again the night before. As a result, she was still exhausted and did not want to start the day quite yet. Nevertheless, her phone's alarm persistently wailed. She finally stretched, rubbed her eyes, and then felt around on her bed for the phone. The room was a blur, and she could not tell where the phone was hidden among her sheets. At last, her hand landed on something cold and flat. She picked up her phone and brought it a few inches from her face. The blurry screen was barely visible, but she could see the big red circle that was the snooze for her alarm. She tapped it, and there was silence again. Trisha let out another grunt while she rubbed her eyes. She reached in the direction of her nightstand and felt around for her glasses. She found them and put them on. Now things were clear again, and she could get ready for work. However, before Trisha got out of bed, she looked around the room at the many canvases that leaned against the walls and furniture. She admired her newest painting. It was the source of her lack of sleep, but it was worth it. That happened to her way too often. She knew better than to start painting late at night, because once she got into the groove, she could not stop for hours. Trisha was an artist. If she had her way, she would spend all day and night creating art. Her favorite medium was acrylic paint, but she loved much more than that. She could sketch with a pencil, design graphics on the computer, paint in various styles, create clay sculptures, and just about anything else she could afford. Art was life to Trisha. Everything else was just a necessary nuisance. A short while later, Trisha was eating breakfast in her large kitchen. She was sketching out an idea for a new painting while she scooped spoonfuls of cereal into her mouth. She could not get the sketch right, so she threw the pencil down in frustration and looked away. She stared at the small image of the Last Supper that hung over the kitchen counter across from the table. It was her mom's favorite image. As much as Trisha hated to keep a cheap reprint of a classic painting hanging in her home, she simply could not bring herself to take it down. As a result, everything around the painting remained unchanged, and so the kitchen was the only room in the house that was still more or less the same as the day her parents had died. The rest of the house was now filled with modern furniture and decorations. Most of the walls were covered with Trisha's own art, as well as a select few pieces from her favorite contemporary artists. Trisha had begun transforming the house on the day of her parents' funeral. As soon as she had returned from the service, she began removing all of their things and replacing it with her own. She did not do it out of spite for them, though. She loved them dearly. They were the only people in the world who understood Trisha and her passions. They always supported her as she pursued life as an artist. When everybody else told her that she was wasting her time and would never make it as an artist, her mother and father were the ones who told her not to listen. They told her that she could be an artist if she wanted to, so long as she worked harder than everyone else who wanted the same thing. As much as Trisha wished her parents were still around, something clicked inside of her that day when she returned from the funeral. Somehow, replacing everything in the house was her way of mourning. She needed to make the transition in her life, 
and the best way for her to do it was to apply her creativity to the house that she had inherited from them. From top to bottom, she transformed her parents' house and made it her own. She even went into her dad's bomb shelter and replaced everything. That was emotional for her because she remembered how much he loved it. He was a paranoid old man who always prepared for the worst, so he was insistent on the need for a place to go in case of disaster. He stocked it with food, water, furniture, games, movies, and whatever else he thought anyone would need in case of an emergency. He was very proud to explain to anyone who would listen that his whole family could live for 10 years in the shelter if need be. Trisha had long since replaced all the furniture and entertainment in the shelter with her own things. However, she never touched the emergency supplies room. Somehow, she felt like her father was still protecting her with it, so it remained untouched. Just like the kitchen. As long as the kitchen and the emergency supplies remained the same, she felt as if her parents were still with her. So, a year after they had died, and in spite of all the other changes in the house, the kitchen and the emergency room endured. Trisha wiped a tear from her eyes as she shook the thoughts of her parents from her mind. She took the last bite of cereal and cleared the table. She stepped outside and into the car. As usual, she sat in front of the steering wheel for a few moments, dreading the thought of going to work. She hated work. Not just this job in particular, but work in general. Every moment spent at work was a moment she could be painting. She was constantly getting reprimanded for spacing out or sketching on scraps of paper during work hours. She had no friends at work or elsewhere because she was socially awkward and would prefer spending her nights in front of a canvas than out at a bar with other people. As a result, she was an outcast. Her nicer co-workers would greet her in the morning and when passing in halls, but the not-so-nice among them would tease Trisha behind her back. They would spread rumors that she poisoned her parents, or that she was a struggling artist with no real talent. They would make fun of her short stature and how her thick glasses made her eyes seem like they were bulging out of her face. Trisha tried to tell herself that it did not matter what they said, but deep down inside, it hurts to hear those things. At least once a day, Trisha would make a wish that she would never have to see another person ever again. Then she could just spend every hour of every day creating art. Finally, Trisha let out a deep sigh and turned on the car. She took off her glasses and wiped them on her shirt. She hated the way everything got blurry and indistinguishable, so she usually kept her eyes closed whenever she had to take off her glasses for any reason. Once they were clean, she put them back on and began her drive to work. She turned on the radio to listen to her favorite morning talk show, but it was just static. She tried changing to a different station, but there was nothing. As she flipped through all the channels, she realized something must be wrong with her radio, because it was the same every time. She turned the radio off and scoffed at her poor luck. As she left her neighborhood and approached the first main street into town, she was shocked to see that the road was completely full. The road was packed with people trying to go in the same direction toward the freeway. Trisha inched forward, trying to see around the corner for any hints as to why all these people were on the road right now. The line of cars extended as far as she could see, and it was not moving. After waiting for several minutes without any of the cars moving, 
Trisha decided to turn around and head back home. She called work as she was driving back, but the line was busy. She tried again, and it was still busy. Trisha was getting worried. This morning was getting too weird. As she slowly made her way back to her house, she could not help but wonder if it had anything to do with a war that was going on. She knew that things were getting tense with Russia, so maybe something happened with them. Even if that were the case, where was everybody trying to go? Why did the phone and radio stop working? Nothing made sense. Trisha parked in front of her house and got out. She decided she would try calling work one more time, so she leaned against the hood of the car and put the phone to her ear. She removed her glasses to clean them again, so she closed her eyes and wedged the phone between her ear and her shoulder. Suddenly, she perceived a warm flash of light as her eyes were shut. She quickly brought her glasses back to her eyes and blinked quickly as her eyes adjusted again. The flash of light was gone, but there was something far in the distance. It was in the direction of the city, but it was hard to make out what it was. Terror filled her bones as realization set in. She was looking at a mushroom cloud as it grew larger from many miles away. Somewhere in the back of her mind, Trisha heard her dad telling her to run to the bomb shelter. She listened to that voice, turning away from the blast and running as fast as she could to the other side of the house, toward the entrance of the shelter. She did not know how far away the blast was, or how quickly it would reach her, but she did not want to stay to find out. She turned the corner into the backyard and sprinted toward the large metal door sticking out of the ground. She tried to press the buttons for the door lock as quickly as possible, but her hands were trembling so much that she kept fumbling the code. She tried again and again, but every time she pressed the buttons, the code gave a beep letting her know that the code was incorrect. After several failed attempts, she finally got it correct. She jumped inside and slammed the door shut behind her, being sure to lock it. Then she hurtled down the stairs, through the blast doors, and pushed them tightly behind her. It took all of her strength to slide the heavy bar across the doors. Just as she had secured them, the entire shelter shook vigorously, and a deep, loud rumble passed by overhead. Then there was complete silence. Trisha stood there in uncomfortable darkness, trying to process what had just happened. She had just survived a nuclear attack. If she had been a few seconds later, she would be dead. She wondered about what would have happened if she had decided to keep waiting for traffic to move. Then she thought about all those people in those cars. Every one of them. Hundreds of people, who only seconds ago were waiting in their cars in the hopes of running away from whatever had just happened, were now dead. Not just them, but everyone in the city, all the way out to there, and who knows how much further away. Millions of people suddenly wiped from the earth in an instant. Trisha fell to the floor and wept out loud as she felt the weight of what she had just experienced. She was likely the only person for miles that was still alive. Down here in the darkness, she did not know the extent of the damage. For all she knew, the entire planet had just been completely destroyed. Meanwhile, she was here, in her father's shelter, completely alone. 
she stretched out onto the floor and fell asleep thinking about everything that had just happened. When she awoke, she thought it was just a bad dream. She soon realized, however, that she was still in the bomb shelter. She could not see anything, so she took out her phone and used it as a flashlight. She went to the side of the door where the generator was installed and turned it on. After a few moments, the lights began to gradually illuminate until the room was bathed in light. Trisha habitually took off her glasses and wiped them clean on her shirt, and then looked around the room. She still had not entirely processed what had happened, but she figured she may as well settle into the shelter. This would probably be her home for the next 30 years or so. She went into the back where the emergency supplies were stored and turned on the light. She had forgotten how massive it was. There were rows and rows of shelves with everything she would need to survive. She thought of her father patiently storing everything in there over the years. She could feel him with her now, still taking care of her. Trisha walked up and down the shelves, making a mental inventory of everything. There were candles, light bulbs, tools, matches, a variety of fuels, and freeze-dried everything. Then she turned the corner to another aisle, and as soon as she saw what was stored there, she lost her breath. Her eyes filled up with tears again, and she wept loudly. From floor to ceiling on either side of the aisle were stacks of art supplies. He had stored all of her favorite brands of paint, more than enough to last a lifetime. There were hundreds of rolls of canvas, piles of wood, thousands of brushes. She had everything she needed to continue making art. A few days later, Trisha was putting the finishing touches on a new art studio in the main room. She still thought of the horrifying reality of her situation several times a day, but it was getting easier every single day. The more she thought about it, she realized that her life would not be so bad. After all, she often wished she could be alone forever. Granted, she never meant like this. Nevertheless, Trisha was trying to make the best of it, and she was looking forward to living the rest of her life with the freedom to make art whenever she wanted. When the studio was finally ready, Trisha decided to go back to the storage room and get some paint. She returned and set the paint down on the table that was in the middle of the room. As always, before she got a good look at everything, she took off her glasses to wipe them clean on her shirt. She fumbled her fingers and accidentally dropped them on the ground. She leaned forward to grab them and accidentally knocked the can of paint off the table. She heard a crunching noise as the can of paint landed on the ground and bounced away. Horrified, she reached down to the ground and felt around the floor for her glasses. Her hands came upon them, and she instantly realized that they were shattered. She brought them to her face in hopes that they would somehow still work, but it was hopeless. She was now stuck in the shelter for the rest of her life, with mountains of art supplies that she would never be able to use, because she could not see without her glasses. Trisha sat in the deep silence of the shelter, crying bitterly into the unseen shards of broken glass along the floor. Today's story was written and narrated by me, Joey Kluge. Music and editing by Stephen Reeder. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast. Also, it would be a great help to us if you could leave us a good review. You can learn more about Ashwood at www.ashwoodstories.com. We also have a store with Ashwood merchandise at the same address, www.ashwoodstories.com. You can also follow us on social media at Ashwood Stories. As always, thank you for listening. Stay bright, everyone.